Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is for ages 14 and up, because sometimes you just need to use a swear. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So today's episode is very near and dear to my heart, and it's one I've been anticipating and I'm just so happy to do. So I've actually had one of the songs from this stuck in my head all week in preparation. So this is going to be a musical based on a book. And the book is a doorstopper, and yeah, we're, we're doing Les Mis. It's a table breaker? Yes, it is a table breaker. So what do you know about Les Miserables? The, what I know about the Miserables, um, it's French. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy steals bread to feed his family, and mm-hmm. he goes to prison mm-hmm. for a really long time. Yeah. Disproportionate long time. Um, I know that there's a revolution involved. And that's it and Russell Crowe. Yes, we're not watching Russell Crowe. Okay. No, we're we're going to be watching a high school production that's really good. Like, when I was watching it, it feels like it is the touring cast that I saw. So I'm oh, really excited. That's high praise. Yeah. So it was originally, so Les Miserables was originally a book by Victor Hugo. He's the same guy who wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, The Miserables isn't nearly as depressing as The Hunchback. Yeah, The Hunchback is actually way more depressing than this. This is happier? Question mark at the end. I mean, people die. Yeah, people die because it's Victor Hugo. Yeah. Um, So the novel was first published in 1862. Okay. Like I said, doorstopper. Um... I actually had a really hard time getting through the book in high school because Victor Hugo takes a lot of digressions. Yeah. He will do chapters about things that he knows about that you're just going, but wait, 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 why? So does he just go on tangents and deviate entirely from the story? Yes. Really? So he'll just be like, oh, and I know random fact if about I this thing. If I remember right, it took 75 pages to get to Jean Valjean. The main who's character. Who's the main character. Wow. Yes. Okay, so I will not put that on my audiobook list. Mm, it would take you a long time to get through it. Like, it's now, interesting. Now I'm curious. Now I want to see yeah. how long the audiobook is it's, for it. It's interesting. I have one. But... When you're a high school student trying to read through it and you've seen the show first. Oh, I, I absolutely despised required reading. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm picky with what I choose to read. And if they would have been, if they would have plopped that table breaker down in front of me and been like, you need to read this to get an A, I'll be like, you can just give me an F now. This was not required reading for me. Remember my Roots story? Where I read Roots when I was 13? True. Yeah, this that's the same sort of situation with me and trying to read Les Miserables, and I didn't gotcha. learn. I didn't learn from Roots. <laughs> I should have learned. Remember your Roots, Harley. Speaking of tangents, 
Um, <laughs> so a lot of this story is inspired by things that Victor Hugo had seen in France throughout his life. So like Jean Valjean, um, he did see people having to resort to thievery to uh, take care of their family in the early 1800s in France. The revolution, well, really it's more of an insurrection and it only lasts for a couple of days, but that did take place in June of 1832. Is an insurrection just an unsuccessful revolution? Pretty much. Okay. So yeah. They're like, we want to start a revolution, but it gets squashed and they're like, yeah. It gets squashed terribly. <laughs> um, and so pretty much the entire second act of this show, just so that you know, is that 1832 insurrection, which is not the bulk of the book. Really? Yeah. What is the bulk of the book? Uh, is it prison? No. Well, there's a lot of Because he's in prison, prison for like 20 years, isn't he? They actually, if I, he is in prison for 20 years. If I remember right, though, and I could be wrong because it's been a while since I've read the book, but it actually doesn't spend as much time when he's in prison as it does him redeeming himself because the whole story is about Jean Valjean's redemption. Which I feel is really sad because it's like you stole a loaf of bread and you got to spend all this. He also tried to run away several times. Well, but... that's why, okay, Yeah. because I should have clarified when you asked me what I know about it. I do remember watching the movie. Like, With Liam Neeson? I think so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it was a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching it in school. So I do, I mean, but granted it was a long time ago, so mm -hmm. I only remember bits and pieces what stuck. But I do remember that his, his prison sentence got extended because he kept trying to yeah. escape. Yeah, yeah. And so he it deals with a lot of him trying to redeem himself, but also all the stuff going around him deals with Javert, who's constantly hunting him down. Uh, but I digress. This is all stuff I shouldn't be telling you yet. <laughs> Spoilers. So if the musical had stayed true to the source material, it would probably be like the Ring Cycle. The Ring Cycle, like like the movie The Ring. No, okay, that's getting added to our list for like an opera week or something. Because I think you would dig The Ring. It's okay. a Norse mythology opera that takes four days to perform. Interesting, because, okay, until just now, the only ring I knew of was the scary movie ring. Yeah, no, this is way awesome, and, like, there's Norse gods and stuff, and no, Ragnarok. I'm down. We should do that. If I remember right, there's Ragnarok. It's been a long time. I, I remember, most of what I remember about the ring cycle is from a thing I saw on PBS when I was seven, so... <laughs> well, your seven-year-old memory is better than my 27-year-old memory, so let's just say that. <laughs> So, let's see, look through my notes again. Oh, okay. Where were we? I digress. <laughs> uh, That's what people have come to expect from us. This is true. Don't want to disappoint. So, the, back to the musical. <laughs> oh, that's right. This yes, is a musical we're doing podcast. a musical. <gasps> oh. A musical today. So, the musical premiered in Paris in 1980. So, this did not start in Broadway. This started in Paris. It started out as kind of a concept album. The music was written by Claude-Michel Schoenberg, and the lyrics were written by Alain Boubille and Jean-Marc Natel. It was in French, originally. Makes sense. It was translated to English by Herbert Kretzmer. This is after uh, 
the first run, the first French run, it only lasted for three months, and it came from a concept album, which we're going to be dealing with concept albums when we do Tommy. Okay. I'm excited for that one, too, but <laughs> that's because it's the Who. Uh, I Who? digress. Oh, no. <laughs> I digress. So, it was picked up by Cameron McIntosh, who produced Cats, and that's kind of how, yeah, Cameron McIntosh is going to show up a lot in this podcast, just so that you know. He is one of the Broadway producers. Okay, so he's a big wig, and his stamp is on a lot of things. Yes, a lot. Okay. Once we do Forbidden Broadway, what's his name then again? Cameron McIntosh. <laughs> Cameron McIntosh. <laughs> I will think. I will think Cameron, because I knew someone, know someone named Cameron, and Macintosh is in Macintosh computers. As in the, I won't. I won't get into that. Uh, so, fun fact: this is the longest running show on the West End. West End meaning London. Yes. It really, so a, a, a French musical yes. is the longest running in the West End. Yes. That tickles me a little. And it premiered in 1985 and is still running. Wow. It is the second longest running musical in the world. Is the first one Cats? No. The first one is one we'll do later called The Fantastics. It ran. How long do you think it ran? Is it still going? No. Okay. 50 years. You're close. You're a little high. 45. 40 years. Okay. Well, 40-ish. It ran from 1960 to 2002. That's a long-ass time for a single show to be running. Yes. It ran that long in its original off-Broadway run. I have a hard time imagining anything being so good that it can just be... It's it's popularity, and if people are still buying tickets to come see it, then it will keep running. Alrighty. So this is and this show has been touring and revived and touring and adapted to film, famously in 2012. It's been performed as a concert. It's been performed by community theaters. It's been performed by high schools. This show is. Popular. I do know that it's very big and it's very popular, which is why I get uh, laser eyes from people when they hear that I have not seen it. And it's okay that you have not. So now you will get to I see will. it. I will. I will get to see it. Uh, the uh, oh, and I forgot to mention this actually was the fifth longest running Broadway show. It's Ran from nineteen eighty seven to two thousand three. Sounds like a good run. And then as soon as it finished in 2003, it came right back. But it's not a <laughs> continuous run, so it doesn't count. Try to get out, it keep pulling me back in. They even revived it, actually, and kind of added in some little touches that are closer to the book than what the musical is, because the musical is heavily truncated. And there are well, some characters to. that I will talk about after you've seen it that are very different. Well, I'd imagine the musical would have to be heavily truncated, because the book is so freaking massive, it would be a ten-hour musical. Yeah. And, like I said, there are characters that are completely different, personality-wise, in the musical versus the book. And I'll go into that later, because it's kind of cool, and one of them is one of my favorite characters in the whole show. Exciting. Uh, 
when it was first performed on Broadway, it was, well, Broadway and the West End, it wasn't actually received well critically. Really? Critics didn't like it. But the going, the, the theater-going audience loved it. It sold out. Interesting. That's, uh, goes to show you what critics know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just instantly was like, hey, this is a cool show, and the rest is history. So another tangent. Do you know why critics didn't like it? Um, literary folks didn't really like that there was this book being turned into a musical, uh, and it's, it's a lot of changes have to happen with the book to musical, and we'll talk about it later. It almost sounds like it's the same gripe that people make with uh, books being adapted to film. A bit of it, yeah. If you look at Les Miserables, the musical, on its own, heh. <laughs> You'll get why that's funny later. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at Les Miserables as a musical on its own, it's really good. If you're comparing it to the book, of course it's going to fall short. Of course it is. That's always the case. That's always the case. If you look at something that's being adapted on its own merit and just ignore that it's been adapted, sometimes they can hold up, and then sometimes they're ready player one. That's true. <laughs> Which both suck. <laughs> I'm waiting for all those angry Twitter I comments. I was gonna say, let's be fair. Lots of people who probably like the book aren't probably musical fans. Probably so you, not. You, you might escape. I might escape. We'll maybe. We'll only, see. only time will tell. We'll see. Uh, there's a there's a junior version of this that was licensed to high schools, and it was actually for a long time the only licensed version of Les Miserables you could get. Okay, that seems a little weird. But... Uh, there's a lot of weird laws and rules when it comes to licensing musicals that I could probably do a whole episode on that would also be a rant. <laughs> that might be therapeutic <laughs> kind for of you like, one of these days. Kind of like my rant on the fact that they should just tape Broadway shows. They should just tape them. Please. Please. I would pay a monthly subscription just to see taped versions of these shows because there's no way I'm getting out to New York. Yeah. I mean, like, for example, I really, I did really enjoy the, uh, the Cats version that we saw. And it's like, yeah. I would very much like to see, you know, the, the high production quality versions of them just put to film like yeah I mean, like i I'm, I'm in your camp i agree with you yeah i'm sure a lot of people do and i'm sure there's bs politics surrounding why they don't there absolutely is there's i could i could rant about that for hours save oh. it Kay. save it we'll do i we'll will do, save it we'll do a uh, a soapbox episode that you yeah. can just rant about bs musical things oh. and i'm sure the the listening audience well you'll, you'll probably split you'll probably get people who agree people who it don't. could be a patreon oh maybe maybe yeah. that because it will probably have to be a Patreon because there will probably be more swearing than I'm comfortable Ooh, doing. Then I definitely want to be on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, the version that was licensed to high schools is truncated. However, it's still amazing. Okay. Which is not always the case with junior versions of shows. We will not be watching a junior version because um, a few years back, they released the entire musical for people to do. 
like community theaters, high schools. So they don't have to like le- not lease it, but license it. Well, they do still license it, but up until that point, only high school groups could do it. Okay. Yeah, it's again those weird, stupid laws for licensing that happen depending on the publisher and so on and so forth. Uh, I I I will write up an episode now so that some more of this stuff makes <laughs> sense for you. So, onto my personal history with this show. You said that in a way that you it seems like you're about ready to open up a closet and start dumping out some skeletons. Yes. So, I first saw this show in 2003. I was 14. I became obsessed with it. We saw the touring cast at, in down in the downtown theater and I I had been obsessed with musicals before. There's a couple coming up that I'm kind of like ashamed about, but that one there is no public internet uh, trail back to me on that. This one there is, because this was my first internet fandom. <gasps> Le Gasp. Yeah. This was the first thing that I publicly wrote fan fiction for, because I was that obsessed with it. And I am... I, I was obsessed with this show for more years than I'm willing to admit. <laughs> This show is why I did the trip to France in high school. Really? <laughs> yes. Even though I didn't... The closest that I got to a place mentioned in Les Miserables was Toulon. Toulon? It's in southern France. That is the closest I got to anything tangentially related to Les Miserables. See, when you said that, it just made me... It forced my brain to think of the intro to the Book of Mormon musical when he's like, <laughs> Africa? Oh boy, like Lion King. It's like, I just picture... That is exactly... Yeah, I picture young Kay like, France? Oh boy, like the Miserables. <laughs> yes. That is 100% the case. Um, I even don't, made some... Don't cover your mouth too much. Uh, oh, no, I've got to because this is so embarrassing. Well, then people want to hear about it. Oh, God. So... I also cosplayed for this at school. So, so was there anything going on, or was it just a Wednesday and you were it like, It was I'm just gonna... a Wednesday and I wanted to be Eponine. Or it was a Thursday and I wanted to be Anjora. You want to be Epinephrine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I hope you people listening find me as funny as my wife does. Oh, God. So, yeah, I, I, this is the first show that I was obsessed with in high school. And I was obsessed with it for way too long. Are you still obsessed with no, it? No, I am not. So why are you no longer still obsessed with it? I just sort of grew out of it. Other hyper fixations showed up. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, but is it still like near and dear oh, to your yeah, heart? Yeah, it's still near and dear to my heart. And every so often I will look back on things that I 
did for Les Miserables fandom. I am not sharing my username. That's probably a good idea. It still exists. I saw it the other day, and I went, this is going with me to my grave. So I do have a question, though. If you wrote fan fiction for this, because I know your writing style, and you're brutal... Were you as brutal back then as you are? You, the smile on your face could bright up a like could lighten up a room. You, you gave me the answer right there. You're like absolutely yes. Did you make people cry with and, your fan fiction? Um. Well, okay, you do you so, do that now? So I was brutal, but in a fourteen year old sense rather than in the seasoned knows how to pull heartstrings oh, out thirty year old sense. So, so this was the 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 uh, apprenticeship. This of, was the apprenticeship this was, of Kay. This was Kay's uh, journey learning how to destroy people emotionally through yes. writing. Gotcha. I did write a lot of comedy for it, though. That's good. And uh, well, You're a good writer. The, the comedic stuff was very odd, so there's that. Well, it's French. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also had a self-insert one that... It was before... Fanfiction.net said that you couldn't do scripted things because there were a lot of author insert fix at the time. Wow. Wow. I'm having flashbacks. Okay. With that, <laughs> we're going to go watch Les Mis. Probably take quite a few breaks for the sake of Latte because this show, the version that we have, clocks in at 2 hours and 25 minutes decent so latte will need a lot of potty breaks uh but we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors Alright, Warren, it's time for the best part of every intermission. Getting snacks that we can't bring back into the theater? Even better. Now that the lights are back up, we can look into the playbill. Today's sponsor is the Valjean Bakery. Our breads have been so famous that people will wait 20 years just to get a loaf. The baguettes are always on sale, and if you use the offer code Javert, you can get two for the price of one. Order now and get these low, low prices. Valjean Bakery. It's a steal. We are also sponsored by Le Café de la ABC. Are you on your own? Has a little fall of rain ruined your outdoor plans? Well, come to Le Café de la ABC. After the events of June 6th, we are back in business. We have plenty of empty chairs and empty tables that are perfect to host your meetings or just to drink to days gone by. Don't barricade yourself away from the rest of the world. Come to Le Café de la ABC. Here are the people who donated $5 or more to make this show possible. And the prestigious spot of our very first Tone Deaf Patreon sponsor is Jasmine Wu. Thank you so much for your contribution to our show. We deeply appreciate it. Your contribution is what makes Tone Deaf possible. Thank you so much. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up. So let's hop into the second act of the show.
All right, so what you think? It was sad. Yeah. It was sad, and I don't remember it being that sad. It's been a long time. Uh, it's, it's good. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, look, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I liked it, but... That was sad. I'm a little disturbed that it was your first, like, obsessive fandom. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Because, yeah. Because it's not happy. There's very little happiness in it. <laughs> it is... It is very much a kick in the nether regions throughout most of the musical. So the fact that you liked it so much in your youth and like wrote fan fiction and obsessed about it mm -hmm. kind of makes me side eye you a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. You've read my stuff though. Which makes a lot of sense because you like to stab people in the heart with your writing. I should preface. But uh, the, the movie opens up with uh, the chain gang fitness party with uh, Jean Valjean, or if I've nicknamed him Johnny Be Good. Oh, God. Johnny Be Good has been bad. <laughs> Johnny Be Bad stole some bread to feed his sister's son. And as a result, he's been sent to prison for 19 years, almost 20. Yes. I, there's there's going to be a theme in this. Uh, I don't call anybody by their real name. Oh, God. This is going to be great. And we'll likely piss off some people, but that's okay. Eh. Uh, but yeah, so Johnny Be Good, he finally made parole and couldn't really catch a break. Everybody was side-eyeing him and treating him like garbage because he was a convict, even mm -hmm. though he served his time and stuff like that, which I don't think is really fair. Yeah. Like, the whole part with the, he's working and the guy pays him half of mm -hmm. what he earned, and everybody else is like, why should you make what we honest folk make? And it's like... A little bit of a commentary there, huh? Yeah, no kidding, right? Uh, but I will say that the priest is a bro. Mm -hmm. I kind of was hoping that that priest would show up later at another point, but he's really just just a... a... He's the catalyst. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it would have been cool to see him again. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, maybe he could see uh, Johnny be good when he's done good later in life and mm -hmm. be like, oh, I recognize you. you know, I'm glad you're... You're doing like, but you know, it's it makes okay that he wasn't, mm -hmm. that he didn't show up again. But uh, I like I like the priest. The priest was a good guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I like that he he gave him a break when he could have sent him back to prison. Yes, been like yes, this man stole from the church. But he was like, no, I gave him the silver. Like, mm -hmm. thank you, officers, for for doing your di your uh, due diligence. But this man is is innocent. And I was like, oh, oh, priest, priest is like is is priest is a good man. He's a good man. I like him. Um, I felt bad for uh, Fondant. She was really having a hard Fontaine? time. Fondant. Uh, Fondant. It's hard being a single mom when your boss is a dick. Uh, and trying to sleep with you. And the catty girls at the, at the factory are making your life extra hard. I felt really bad for her. Especially because Johnny B. Good seems to not realize that he's employing Billy B. Bad, who is kind of doing whatever he wants, and Fondant gets fired, and that's very sad because then she has to go into prostitution, and uh, yeah, she sells her hair. 
She sells her hair first. She sells her hair first and in, then goes into prostitution. In the book, if I remember right, she sells her hair and her teeth. And then, like, some of her teeth and then goes into prostitution. Your expression. It's because I want to make a joke, but we're trying to keep this a certain rating. So I'm going to not say anything, and I will let people imagine. She has her one song about uh, how summer flings. Like, she was about her, I guess, her baby daddy. It's a song Mm -hmm. about her baby daddy. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if I fully understood Mm -hmm. what she was necessarily singing about, but what I took away from it was uh, Summer Flings Never Last. Mm -hmm. Because he was there during the summer, and then by fall he was gone. Mm -hmm. Which, I'm not sure if I missed it just sounded kind of like oh he was there and we had a great time and then he just was gone yeah just up and that's left. pretty much what happens so, yeah that's that's unfortunate he just leaves her he, he, he left her a parting gift though so that was sweet a kid <laughs> to you know take care of by yeah. herself and then she talks about uh how I don't know if I remember the lyrics quite right in her life sucks song but basically she's like, I had a dream. I had these dreams. I wanted life to be a certain way. And the whole thing I was thinking is, life kills dreams, sweetheart. It's in the fine print. Like, Yeah. Yeah, no one will tell you that life will kill your dreams, but it will. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we... Okay, yeah, that's that's when she becomes a prostitute. Because then it automatically cuts to uh, the frat boys on the prowl, is what it seemed like. Because mm-hmm. they were just yeah, like, the where sa- are the women? The sailors coming up on the harbor and being like is that what it was yeah okay lovely ladies yeah smiling through the smoke yeah yeah that was th- that that uh that whole part kind of made my skin crawl a little bit oh yeah oh yeah it's yeah it's even worse when that song's stuck in your head for a week and that's the song that gets oh, stuck in your head for the a song week. You had stuck in your head for a week and i'm just sitting here going oh my god <laughs> of all of the songs of all of the songs, it has to be this one. It has to be the skeevy one. Yeah, about, the one that just, ooh. About ooh. disgusting sailors trying to get laid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Johnny Johnny Be Good realizes that he was the reason Fondant got fired and mm-hmm. is forced to sell her hair and become a prostitute. And so he's like, I will take her and, and, and take care of her and, mm-hmm. you know, Things are looking up right up until she gets tuberculosis and dies. Yeah. Which, another sad thing, but I guess that was probably pretty common for the time. Yeah. Again, life will kill your dreams. Uh, 24610 on the run. 24601? 24601 is on the run. Ain't no fun, that poor son of a gun. (laughs) I did like that he he was like, I can't let this innocent man Mm -hmm. go to prison for me and... I bought his his song that if he does nothing, he's... I can't remember if he... If he does nothing, then the man's condemned. But if he stays silent, then he's damned. Yeah. I thought that song was pretty good. It's a pretty good, uh... I don't know. Pretty good... I would say it's a pretty good character solidifier. Yes. Of a song. Because that's the thing is, like, I feel so bad for Johnny because he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. He's a good guy who resulted who resorted to crime out of desperation and necessity like mm-hmm. a lot of people do in yeah. those situations and just proceeded to get punished for mm-hmm. nearly two decades for this crime yeah but it's just it's unfortunate but and uh fondant and her daughter closet wait closet closet cosette cosette 
Yes. Is that French? That's French for closet. No, but go on. Yeah, uh, closet. Closet is a child slave. Yes. Yeah, at an inn? Yes. Is it an inn? Yes, it is an inn. I will say I did really like the innkeeper's song. Yes. He had one of my favorite songs. I'm actually very tempted, uh, come Monday, to look up the Miserable soundtrack mm-hmm. when we're at work and, mm-hmm. and listen to some of the songs. I can, I can send you... I've got a few that I would recommend to okay. pick from that are really good casts. I, I will let you. I'll let you send me recommendations. There are so many soundtracks, <laughs> so many different cast recordings of this show. Yeah, I and I was really impressed because you said the the recording that we listened to was a high school. Yes, this was. Oh, I have it written down which high school it was. Um, it, technically, it was a grammar school, which is high school in England. It was the Royal Grammar School of Wycombe. Wycombe. I think it's Wickham. Wickham, probably. W-Y-C-O-M-B-E. I think it's Wickham. Wickham. That, sound, that sounds familiar. I'm not British, so... Not at all, so... You've got more British in you than me, so... Mm, yeah, I mean... If DNA tests can be accurate at all. True. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... I was very impressed with the, the high school cast for this. Yeah. They were phenomenal. Like, they were really good. And... Monsieur Talmont, the 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 innkeeper. Oh, Tenardier. Tenardier. Why did I say Talmont? Because I can't remember names. Is You're fine. It, you just Tardier. Tenardier. Tenardier. Okay, Nard like Nads. That's yes. Tenardier. Mm-hmm. Monsieur Tenardier. I the guy that played him in this particular version that we watched. Mm-hmm. He might have been my favorite just because he was so into the role. Yes. You could tell that he was like, I'm a scumbag and I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I that song was just a lot of fun. I actually kind of want to listen to that song again. Uh, and then I thought it was so we're gonna jump around a little bit to the barricade. Yes. The Barricade of Destiny. The Barricade of Destiny. Where the heroes gather to get their ass kicked later on. Yes. But I did laugh with, um, oh no, no, I guess it's before then, the first point when uh, Javier confronts Johnny Be Good, and he's like, I know who you are. Oh, Javier. Javier, yeah. Uh, Javier. That's closer than the other ones, yes. Javier confronts yes. Johnny Be Good, mm-hmm. and Johnny beats his ass. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty great, so I mm-hmm. have in here in my notes, get wrecked, officer unfriendly. <laughs> uh, and then the good old days of child labor and selling children into slavery. I think I jumped around a little bit in my notes, but I think Javier really just needs a vacation. Or to pull that baton out of his backside, and he might just lose probably it up a little both. Bit. Yeah. But spoilers, he doesn't get to. No, no, he. Uh, yeah, spoilers. He takes a, a long step off of a short pier, and when they did that thing, I was like, "Do a flip, <laughs> swan dive, mofo." But yeah, I did know that he killed himself. That was something that mm-hmm. I did remember, and I thought his. His bit was a little interesting with his, like, conflict of... So you might be able to clarify this for mm-hmm. me a little bit. Did he kill himself because he 
couldn't bear to have been saved by someone that he saw as a criminal? Yeah. Or did he kill himself because he was racked with guilt over the fact that he punished someone who is good and not evil? Because he is a very... Javier is a very black and white character. He is yes. very... There is only good and there is only evil. There is no gray. So he kind of blue screens the deaths. Say that again? He, he does like a little blue screen of death there where he has this moment where it's like, wait. Oh, blue screen. Okay, gotcha. Like a computer. Like yeah. a computer. It, it, it's too much for him to process. And so he is racked with guilt. He also has got everything thrown into question, everything that he's ever believed, and he just so he's basically, can't he's, take it. He's dealing with too much cognitive dissonance, and mm -hmm. he just can't come to terms with this. So he's like, I'm just going to hit the reset button on this karmic cycle. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. I, that's in the future. Yeah, I, I, I did feel. I think the character that I felt the worst for in this was EpiPen. Epipen. Epinine. Epipen. I feel really bad for EpiPen because she is really hard up for uh, Marionette. Marius. Marionette. Yeah. EpiPen wants to be with Marionette, but Marionette wants to be in the closet. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to give EpiPen a big hug. Yeah, that she was my favorite character. When I and I really identified with her a lot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did too. Is that odd? No, not at all. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, out of all the characters, it's kind of like, eh. There's some emotional connection to that character. Yeah. And <laughs> and then I had we're, we're like what two thirds of the way through the musical, and then I turned to you and I go, oh, this is a sung through musical, yes. which you proceeded to lose your shit. <laughs> You're like, yes. Yes, it is, Warren. <laughs> Good of you to notice. <laughs> I did really like EpiPen's solo song about how life sucks. Yeah. Like, it's really good, but it was sad. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. God, everybody in this production was so good. Yeah, like, they were amazing. There's a reason I chose this it's, one. And it's just funny, too, because um, you could tell the level of care and effort that went into every aspect of it yes the only thing i would say is because i don't know when it was filmed the only thing that i wish is that the recording was a little bit better yeah just because you know but i'm um, you know uh, that's a small gripe to make but especially considering that it was a school production mm -hmm. and that all of these kids were i don't want you know, maybe not minors like some of them are probably of legal age like but they were all high school, so... Yeah, they'd be 18. Yeah, 18 and under. But they were just... I'm just blown away. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, like, sitting here... Some of these people, I'm, like, wondering... I would not be surprised if they went on to be... They're probably on the West End right now. I would not be surprised. Like, they were really, really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, EpiPen's death was so lame. Marionette does not deserve her. He, no. And, and, and I don't know... I, I like EpiPen more than Closet. A like, lot of people I, do. I felt I found Closet to be boring. Yeah. I found like she's just a boring character. I don't feel like she contributed anything. Yeah. She was just there to be desired by Marionette. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, EpiPen is like the go but like she's she's actually doing shit. She's actually yeah. trying to help the cause. She's actually trying to be productive and Closet is just like, Oh, I'm a rich girl and I like this boy that I just barely met. 
And you were going to tell me, because apparently they know each other more in the book. So this is where there's a huge change from the book. So in the book, Marius and Eponine are neighbors, but Marius doesn't give a crap about her. They are not friends. He does not care about her. She adores him and hangs the moon on him, but he doesn't. All he uses her for is to run letters to Epin or to uh, Cosette, and he has this whole thing with Cosette for quite a while, actually. Um, I think it's a few weeks or something, so different than the oh one day and we're in love. But um, Eponine is used as kind of the go-between for her father's gang, and she's kind of unhinged in the book because being poor and malnourished has kind of messed with her brain a little bit so she's smart but she has her moments where she just kind of loses it a little bit like not violently or anything but just sort of rambles seeing who her parents are oh yeah yeah. her parents are horrible her parents are the two worst people i mean at least javier has a sense of duty and Mm -hmm. I want to say I want to say he has a sense of honor. Yeah. But I don't really think he's an honorable person. He has a sense of duty. We'll say that. But the uh, EpiPen's parents are just garbage oh, incarnate. And they're garbage in the book. Um, Eponine also has. So um, I had let you know because it wasn't made very clear. Gavroche is her little brother, but in the book she has a little sister who's older than Gavroche. And then two more little brothers oh. who Gavroche takes care of. Are they part of the gang too? No. Oh. Um, in fact, in the book, Gavroche, is, it's just him and his two brothers living on the streets. Because the Tenardiers just were like, eh, we don't care about him. I like Gavroche. He was he was an awesome little guy. And I, I love... didn't warn you and I'm so sorry. No, I mean, that's okay. It's spoilers. <laughs> um I, I liked that he called Javier out in front of everybody, mm-hmm. and they were like, this snake in the grass, and I liked his song about don't kick a pup because the pup grows up, and mm-hmm. like that, and then it was really sad when he got shot at the barricade. Yeah. I, I, I think that, that's probably the only scene that I felt my throat tighten a little bit. When I first saw that, that was the scene that made me cry. Because I liked that character, and then I'm like, oh man, they killed a kid. I mean, granted, he's a kid helping an insurrection, but he's... he's, he's... And and the insurrection is there to help him. Yeah, he's a cute little kid. Yeah. I liked him. And so when I... So I did have a little bit of exposure to this when I was young. There was a CD that was Broadway Kids, which was kind of... Was that like Kids Bop, but, but for theater? <laughs> yeah, but a lot better. Because it wasn't like changing songs to make it appropriate. Although they did extend Give Rosh's song. Um, but my own, my exposure to Les Miserables when I was young was Castle on a Cloud, which was Cosette's song when she's in the inn, and Little People the one that Gavroche sings. And so I had no frame of reference for either song. So Castle on a Cloud happens, and I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Little People happens, and I'm going, okay. And then the reprise to Little People happens, and I'm going, no, no, no. 
No, no. <laughs> Gavroche, no. You stop that. And then uh, they have their their first standoff at the barricade mm-hmm. where they're feeling kind of victorious. They drew they threw the the army back or the mm-hmm. militia. I guess it would be the national national guard. guard. There you go. Yeah, they threw the national guard back and they're like, yeah, but we can't sleep because they're gonna come back. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, no, you 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 sleep. You have people stay awake. And mm-hmm. they do watches, and then, you know, you wake somebody else, and then that person goes to sleep. And you, have, you you cycle through people taking watch, you idiot. Like, no mm-hmm. wonder you guys frickin' lost. But, of course, uh, Grunter gets drunk. and Grunter. Grunter, yeah, he gets drunk and yells at the leader. I don't remember the guy uh, picked his name up. He yells at Kofri, or, ah, I can never pronounce his name, um, Kofriak. I'm gonna call him Red Vest. Yeah, he yells at him, too. But uh, his line is sort of towards the other character, and then Entourage kind of gets all like, hey, dude, knock it off. Which... Entourage? Entourage. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So he yells at him, and then, uh, of course, Johnny B. Good has his his uh, singing at the top of his lungs in the middle of the night while everybody else is sleeping. His at soliloquy? The um, he was singing in the middle of the night while everyone was trying to sleep, preparing for the big battle. I don't know how <laughs> nobody woke up to tell him, dude, shut up, we're sleeping. Because it was a soliloquy, he was praying silently, and with it being a soliloquy, it's not like he's doing it outwardly, it's it's his inner monologue. He could have soliloquietly. I love my note here. Do a flip, Javier. <laughs> uh, and then Marionette has survivor's guilt because yeah. everybody else died and Johnny B. Good rescued his worthless butt because Closet has a hard-on for him. <laughs> and he's like, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't get that bit because I feel like from Johnny B. Good's perspective, like, you take your daughter and you run. You take your daughter and you mm-hmm. go. And you go somewhere else and escape it. Like Yeah. I, but instead he's like, I will save this turd that I don't think is good enough for my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then I will go off and die and leave him with her. There, there, were, there, were, there were things that I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, after Empty Chairs at Empty Tables... I kind of glaze over with this show until it gets to the very end because the very end is really beautiful with the, you know, to love another person is to see the face of God. I love that line. What part was that in? That's uh, Fontaine and Eponine sing that when they're taking... Got you. When when Johnny dies and yes. they're doing like the, the going to see God song. Yes. And so there are some other changes that are, uh, oh, um, I forgot to tell you with, uh, Eponine, another thing that probably would hurt to think about in the book, she kind of has a, if I can't have you, no one can moment, but she does it in a weird way. She convinces Marius to go onto the barricade but then has guilt about it. So she 
decides I'm gonna die first and steps in front of a gun that's pointed at him and puts her hand on the barrel and takes the bullet. And then she dies in Marius's arms and he doesn't give a crap. <laughs> like, no, seriously, it is, she tells, she bears her soul to him and tells him everything, hands her the letter from Cosette because Cosette has a letter for him and then she dies and he gives her a little kiss on the forehead and is like, oh, this poor street urchin. Hmm. It's like, Ew, she got blood on and me. And no one else knows that she dies. What? Yeah. Because, what? Because in the show, they're like, we will fight in her honor. Yeah, no. She will not no have died. No one knows in... that she dies. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. The That's... book is way more miserable than the musical. That sucks. Mm-hmm. But there's kind of a theme of redemption in the whole show that's kind of cool. Um, that shows up with Eponine, with Fontaine, with Jean Valjean. Uh, another difference I wanted to tell you about that was something that I wish that could have been fleshed out, but I know that it would have made the musical way longer. The students are way more interesting. So we'll start with Angerat and Grantaire. So Grantaire is the drunk and Angerat is the leader of the group. Grantaire has like, he's pretty much like, it, they don't say outright that he's in love with, with Angerat, <laughs> but he's pretty much in love with Angerat. And all that Angerat cares about is that he does this whole revolution for his country sort of thing. And so during the final uh, confrontation, um, Angerat is dragged away by the National Guard to be executed. Grantaire has been asleep the entire time because he, <laughs> at the very start of their insurrection, he does this whole speech on how, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it is, but he does this speech and it pisses off Angerat. Like he's finally just had it with Grantaire and he reams him. And Grantaire's completely blasted, like just gone, and he just passes out. So he gets, he basically gets chewed out, and then he gets upset and he goes and gets drunk. And well, just... he has been drinking the entire oh. time because Grantaire is like he's a, super he's, alcoholic. He's, he's a lush. <laughs> he is a lush, and he just passes out, and he wakes up at the end of the fight when Angerat's about to get executed. And he goes and stands with Angerat and basically is like, you know, let me join you I in love death. You, man. Pretty much. And Angerat actually starts to smile at him and then they get shot and killed together. Holding hands. Jeez. Yeah. Um, there are other students that are more fleshed out. Um, you remember when I said at the beginning of this that The Hunchback in Notre Dame was less depressing than The Miserables. Oh, the book is way worse of Hunchback. I know that from just what I've heard. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know by how much... Like, like everybody, like, everybody dies. And it's like, okay, granted, The Miserables has a, a little bit of a happy ending, uh -huh. whereas The Hunchback, not at all. Yeah. And... But that's it. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like... 
negative one versus negative two in terms of yeah you know a punch in the teeth yeah um they're so they mention a couple of the names of the other students they have Comfer, who's kind of Anjara's second in command in the book yeah Fuyi Fuyi isn't actually a student he's an orphan who liked making fans Fuyi and uh then you've got two of my favorites other than Grand Terre, who's always been my favorite, is uh, Joyi and Bousset, or uh, Lègle. It's been a while since Kegel? I've taken French. No. <laughs> um, and the former, Joyi, is a medical student who's a hypochondriac. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Bousset is, or Bousset, is the oldest and unluckiest, and he went bald at 25. <laughs> and they mention that, and their roommates, and their roommates. Ah, um, their pillow friends. As well as, well, and they also share a girl. <sighs> the French. Yeah. Um, they also don't really explore um, Marius's connection to the Tenardiers in the in the musical as much because Marius actually does have a connection to them. His father was an officer in Napoleon's army and he believed that he owed a debt to Tenardier because oh. Tenardier lied to him and said, oh, I saved your life. <laughs> <laughs> what, Tenardier? But he seems mm -hmm. so, you know, stalwart and, yeah, and, and yeah. morally sound. And Marius actually grew up with his grandfather instead of with his father and his grandfather is a royalist and is basically like you can't have anything to do with your father and so Marius kind of joins the Le Mise de la ABC, the uh, revolutionary group as sort of a F you to his grandfather. That sounds like an angsty teen rebellion. He is an angsty teen rebellion boy. <sighs> yeah. Um... But, like, the, the thing that I like about this show, A, is the music, and B, is just sort of the overall theme of redemption and forgiveness and, yeah, things suck. Things can suck really hard, but you can get redeemed in the end. You can get... Back when I was a Christian teen, this was one of those shows that kind of spoke to me more because it was... It had similar redemption arcs without it being so much like, oh, you have to sacrifice everything. Because they didn't sacrifice everything. It was just that crap happened. And they still lived through it or tried to live through it. It's not like, except for Javert, um, he, he does not live through it. I mean, none of them live, but he does not... Uh, live through his cognitive dissonance moment. Well, he was he was trying out for the French Olympics, and he it was. went sideways. It, it did go sideways. Um, and he, then end over end, and then ended in a belly flop. Yeah. Into the Seine. Into the what? It's the big river that he jumps into. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a, I, I'm a nerd. You're smart, and I'm not. You're cute. And I, you're funny. I, I got that going for me. And you're funny. And you're smart in other subjects. I'm smart in useless subjects. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's... Uh, like, like I said, 
it's not my obsession anymore, but when I was an angsty high school student, then yeah. It this, was your jam. This was my jam. Now it's one of those shows where I look back and I go, there are actually some really deep themes to it. And um, it's it's the older that I've gotten, the more that I appreciate the moments with Jean Valjean because when I was younger, I definitely gravitated more towards scenes with the revolutionary students and with Eponine and stuff and the whole heartbreaking love triangle there that in the book is just totally messed up. Because... <laughs> I just thought about something with with Johnny B. Good. Mm-hmm. Him taking in fondant and closet in a definite way. Because, dude, I don't... I. I would assume in the book, he probably tries to look up his sister and his nephew. Yes. And probably, I would imagine they're probably both dead. Um, I can't remember if they're dead or if they just sort of left him for dead. Because it's kind of like, oh, you've been sent to prison, you're not coming out ever again, sort of. Well, just because I, I, I kind of see the theme a little bit in that he took in fondant and closet almost as a way to try because he failed to take care of his yes. sister and his nephew yes because he got caught and sent to prison so it's, it's almost like a way for him to atone for not mm -hmm. being able to take care of his family yep. he took in this woman and her child to yeah take care of them and he always thinks that he still is falling short that's kind of the tragedy with his character is that he can do all of these great things, but he's still got that past yeah. that he thinks he's... And Javert is there hounding him with it Yeah, all the time. He won't ever let him... That's no. A, that's the thing that does suck about Javier is, like, in his mind, you can't ever be redeemed. If yeah. you've messed up once, you're messed up forever. And that's kind of a theme with Victor Hugo, too, because you've got uh, Judge Frollo and Hunchback, who's a similar character. Yeah... True. Yep. Man, Victor Hugo had some damage. Well, it was France, and it was the 1800s, so that's not a happy time in France. It's not a happy time for anyone anywhere. Oh, no. Like, was I mean, a... it was before the internet. What did people even do before then? I mean, I remember a time before the internet, barely. I, I remember a time before the internet a little bit more because we couldn't afford the internet. <laughs> well, I, didn't, I didn't use the internet until until broadband because yeah. dial-up was so slow and yeah. I hated it. I, I remember a time before internet and there were books. <laughs> and there were musicals. I, I sure did draw a lot more when... Mm -hmm. Yeah, before that. Anyway, digressing, digressing. As Yes, Victor as Hugo. <laughs> Let me stop and tell you about my sock let and me how much. Do, let me do 75 pages about the bishop. Mm, no. No. If you want the, more of the bishop, then you should read the book. Mm. I mean, he doesn't show up ever again, except in sort of memory from Jean Valjean, but the first 75 pages are all about him, so... Down to every painstaking detail. Is Johnny B. Good gay? Just curious. No. Okay. Because you, you never see him ever get a partner. No. Um, I mean, there is a lot of slash fan fiction 
on the internet of him and Javert. But yeah, I'm sure no small portion of that was written by you. Actually, no. I, I wrote more Angeron Grand Terre, but... Um, <laughs> okay. But, no, there's... They don't ever specify if Valjean had any romantic interest in anyone, but by the time he's out of prison, he's, like, in his 40s or 50s, so... Oh, uh, okay, fair enough. Um, but they definitely, like, it kind of like with the relationship that they have with, like I said, Ageron Grand Terre, it's not outwardly spoken, but there is some subtext, because at the time, it's not okay over there. Or in the U.S., it's not okay generally, because... We like to be oppressive and horrible, and I don't want to do a soapbox episode right now on <laughs> how angry I get at the lack of LGBT representation and things, and the oh, fact that history sucks for us. That's fair. That's <laughs> but, fair. But yeah, um, no, I, I think that, that yeah, they never really focus on anything romance-wise for Valjean. Pretty much every other character, <laughs> they sure do. You know um, what us doing this episode means, though? Hmm. In the future, we'll get to do a comparison. Because yeah. there is the gladiator version of Les Miserables. <sighs> which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of... His name is evading me right now. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Thank you, Kay. Uh, other than Gladiator. Uh, but I did remember everyone being super excited about that movie when it came out initially. and I Except had, for me. Except for you. Like, well, you, you wanted to see it initially, and I promised to take you, and then I totally didn't. And I had seen enough snippets... That I said, you know what? No, I don't want to see this. <laughs> I here's the deal: we will watch it, but it will be a Patreon episode <laughs> because I will be blasted. You will be blasted. I will be blasted. I will be. I will have two glasses of wine because that's all I can handle anymore in my old age, and that will make it. More enjoyable to watch The Gladiator and that actually trying might, to sing. Actually, I make your recording of it extra hilarious. Oh, God. <laughs> Be strong, Kay. We'll make it through this together. We will. So that was Les Miserables. The Miserables. Yes, The Miserables with Jean Valjean. Johnny Be Good. And Fontaine. Fondant. And Cosette. Closet. Mar Marius. Marionette. You almost said Marionette. I almost said Marionette. What have you done? <laughs> A great and many terrible things. So the next show that we're going to do is one that I sent you the soundtrack of when I was teaching. And I was like, hey, you need to listen to this because I finally found it on Spotify. And then you responded to me with, what in the fresh hell is this? <laughs> um, Bat Boy? Yes, we are going to watch Bat Boy and I'm so excited. I am excited to understand exactly what the hell was going on. Yes, it, it's easier to listen to sung through musicals soundtrack only without ever having seen the show 
than it is to listen to traditional musicals that well, way. Well, you know, I feel like if you're going to put a musical out, you can have tracks in between that is the dialogue to fill in the gaps because I had no... Okay, I, well, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it for the next episode. We'll save it for the next episode. I apologize, folks. Spoilers. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We truly hope you enjoyed this. Please follow us on Twitter at Tone Deaf Musical and like, share, and subscribe. If you loved it, tell your friends and spread the word. If you want to go above and beyond, please donate to our Patreon, which is also Tone Deaf Musical. That's it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone, Tone Deaf. Deaf.